If you were to make it to heaven, what's the first thing you'd want God to say? This is Corey, and this is the Elianta Podcast. <laughs> Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to episode 308 of the Elianta Podcast. Coming to you from the hashtag OTALA Studios, high above the 110 freeway in downtown Los Angeles, California. Thank you for joining us. Yes, thanks indeed. And there is so much to get into this week. I know, but, but you know what I said? Uh, we talked about it in the pre-show, and I think it's a good idea. Let's start at the end of the show. Uh, usually we wait till the end uh, to take a trip on down to the Baltimore corner. Where you get the straight dope. Absolutely. But so much good Baltimore news, I don't want to leave it to the end. Yeah. We have to get it out there. Uh, well, I... <laughs> Good Baltimore news. Um, it needs to be gotten out there. That's yes, for sure. Yes. That, that much is clear. Uh, some people got shot. Uh, pretty violent. Basically the third world. You might be safer in Baghdad than you are in Baltimore. But that's not even what we're talking about. No. Uh, criminal justice system works. I, I was. I, I thought you were going to go with run amok. And then I didn't even think that really fit <laughs> properly. Like, yes. Yeah. So uh, we, we had two different kind of uh, sentences handed out this week. Uh, earlier on, we had Catherine Pugh sentenced to three years in jail plus three years of probation for all the corruption that went on with the Healthy Holly book mm-hmm. scandal and everything like that. And then uh, just today, we had the sentencing in the Keith Davis Jr. trial, the fourth time that he's been tried for the same crime. Uh, and... Uh, he was sentenced to 50 years on second-degree murder. No, wait, wait, wait. I, I, you, must, uh, you must have those confused. Uh, a corruption trial in which someone bogarted the campaign, got elected mayor, and had a billion-dollar budget, that's the 50-year sentence. And, and the guy who is causally connected to a murder that he probably didn't commit, that guy got three years, right? No. and oh. So uh, I guess let's start with Pew. Yeah. Um, I starting, by the way, speaking of starting with pew, it smells a little bit <laughs> like we moved our studio, uh, close. Uh, wait, what is it that they call it in Dundalk? Is it the shit bowl with Edgewood and Dundalk? <laughs> the acorns. Play? Yeah. That's yeah. what I call them. I feel like we're about to play that game in this <laughs> studio right now. The, uh, so thanks for that. The, uh, <laughs> oh, the mayor's name is just so fortunate, unfortunate, however you want to look at it. Uh, so Catherine Pugh was uh, obviously caught up in getting zero bid contracts uh, and basically selling her book for way more than it was worth to uh, donors, more or yes. less. I mean, like, between uh, the University of Maryland Medical System, where she was on the board, and they were all basically just using the university to get money from them. Like all the different board members were doing some sort of scheme. Mm. Um, and then being able to take that money and do things that she felt she needed to do in order to win an election. Like, uh, she wasn't doing well in fundraising. So all of a sudden there was a lot of mysterious donors who donated a lot of money to her campaign. Right. Right. Something that, uh, people at the time thought was weird. How like all this money came in all of a sudden. And uh, uh, people thought, thought it was weird, uh, and then dropped out of the race, yeah. leaving her by herself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Well, I mean, like as soon as it seemed like she was the the fate, you know, she sort of came into the Joe Biden role, if you will. Yeah. Where like all of a sudden she looked like she was the presumptive favorite, even though she wasn't doing that well early on, and everyone mm. else basically got out of her way. Yeah. Um, or didn't get the same sort of attention they would have if she wasn't in the race. Yep. And in addition to that, she bought a house that she felt was more befitting of somebody who was going to be mayor. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. 
it, it's well, listen, all Baltimore mayor, mayors need a place where they can run away and hide and not see the <laughs> media. I think we came to to learn that during the Stephanie Rawlings Blake era. So, well, you know, she uh, uh, the the thing that Catherine Pugh I feel like just didn't understand was how wrong what she did was based off of the situation that we were in. Hmm. It'd be like if uh, you know, like I I. I, I befriended you because your father had just gotten murdered. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then, you know, I got real close and you started inviting me over after school every day. And then I murdered your mother. Oh, like, well, it's just like, why am I compounding the stress and awfulness that you have to go through with more awfulness? However, like, kind of a gift because now you've raised the odds that I'll now become, you become Batman. Batman. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean,. Look at that. That's an origin story we can all get behind. Uh, Baltimore is Batman. And go. <laughs> uh, let's see. It's dark. Uh, you get beat up if you meet it in an alley. Crime is rampant. I mean, it's sounding pretty pretty uh, accurate. You know, they always say that uh, New York is Gotham City. Yeah. But maybe it's Baltimore that's turning into Gotham City. But I guess we could uh, ask. Well, we definitely need some hero to come out and save us in this moment. I was going to say... Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to to Roxy. There's no, there's no way, by the way, that the Baltimore Police Department would allow a Batman like figure to go out there and do their job. Oh, they like, no, they would shoot him. They would absolutely <laughs> shoot him. Uh, Batman dead tonight. Yes, yeah. Baltimore um, Police found a gun near the body. <laughs> Wait, he like famously doesn't carry a gun. <laughs> I must have uh, tonight. I don't know. I saw a black figure uh, with what looked like a weapon. I uh, there's only one thing we can do there. Just shoot. <laughs> He shouldn't wear all black and make me assume things about him. <laughs> what are you talking about, officer? I mean... Wait, wait. It's a white guy? <laughs> he was all black around the eyes. I don't understand. It's very confusing. I'm very confused. I couldn't really tell because the voice was like this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's kind of a voice for all races. It's like it's a deep voice, and he came at me like an animal. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. Um, but yeah, like a so, bat, almost. Uh, so the city uh, didn't get... And here's the thing. Let me ask you. Yeah. Would you forgive her trespasses if murders were down over the first year of her, her no, mayorship? No, no. Like, the city was just generally better. No. I mean... What if things had improved by you, 50% under her first year of leadership, and then it came out that, oh, wait, she had corrupt... She was my, corrupt. my one line, and I've... I've I, I think famously of musicians, this is where I've sort of said, like, I don't care how crazy you are. Okay. If I like the music. Yeah. As long as you don't actively hurt somebody. Like, I remember Prince got in trouble because he, like, repainted somebody's house that he was renting. Yeah. And it cost, like, $700,000 to repaint the house or something. Yeah, but he just paid and repainted it. Yeah, I mean, like, at the end of the day, nobody was really hurt. It was just that he had to spend a lot of money to repaint the house. Yeah. And like it, that's he, the kind of that's the kind of zany weirdness that's okay with me. Like, he brought a llama yeah. into the music studio. Now, when you're talking about like Michael Jackson and kids and stuff like that, yeah. then now we're going into you've hurt somebody. Yeah. So I can't condone your weirdness anymore. You've you've crossed a, a Rubicon here. But like, but I'm saying, what if no one got hurt? What if the city was better at the end of her first year, and then the corruption came out? I, I still can't because there's no way to the 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 violation is of the trust. Okay. The, the corruption is a violation of trust. And what, what about the hero? She's the hero we need, not the one we deserve. No, 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 no. A take your medicine no, no, mayor. No, no, who's no, gonna... no, 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 no. A take your medicine mayor was a a unfallible saint who was going to do all the things that nobody else wanted to do. 
in order to make the city better and knew that they might only get one term mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they were going to do all the things that nobody wanted them to do and just get it out of the way and then the next person would be able to run free. But wait, did we want her to, you know, cheat her way into the uh, into the mayorship? Did we want her to not sell a book called Healthy Holly that <laughs> actually apparently isn't very good? She did all the things we didn't want her to do. <coughs> she, right. she is, in fact, the mayor that you're describing. I am so glad that Corey is coming out as so pro Catherine Pugh on this episode. Let me really I, happy. She didn't though. There was no there was no like the crime went down all of a sudden when Catherine Pugh went into oh, no. it. It went up. It went and up. In fact, it, it was it was you could argue that she was asleep at the wheel more than others had been. I mean, like so I, I've been doing a lot of uh, uh, Baltimore-related research recently, mm-hmm. and uh, specifically with the Gun Trace Task Force and stuff, and I find that the amount of incidents that sort of happened right around when Catherine Pugh was the preordained candidate for mayor up until when she left is just, like, too hard to deal with, you mm-hmm. know? Because, like, in Baltimore, when you win the Democratic primary in April... Yeah, you're, you're basically the, the mayor. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you're not entitled the mayor, but like, you're, if you say something and you said, like, you know, like, oh, I, I, I think we're going to shift focus to schools as like a, a, a citywide effort, then the current mayor would feel the pressure to have to do what the new mayor was going yeah. to push, you know, like, yeah. Stephanie Rollins Blake couldn't release a budget, like, fuck the schools. <laughs> I mean, she did. She, <laughs> she did, did several but... <laughs> years in a row, but, uh, you know. Well, you know, those police department need overtime, so. Yeah, those, and uh, what is it? Uh, overnight shipping on eighty uh, or $300,000 worth of equipment? Like, <laughs> shipping was $84,000 <laughs> to confront a bunch of kids at a school. Yeah. Anywho, mm. uh, I, I think that, w- w- to me, what is really weighing on me is what is an appropriate punishment for massive corruption? Right. I mean, like, it, Agnew didn't get much. Uh, He's white. Well, I know, but I'm saying like, you know, I, I, well, I feel he like was, he was Greek when you're connected, time. when you're connected to the to the party in some sort of way, whether or not it be Republican or Democrat, uh, then I feel like there's leniency that's given to you because like it's why would we toe tag Catherine Pugh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when the next person who comes along might get it worse? You know, you mean when Stephanie Rawlings Blake is head of the Council of Mayors and now <laughs> working for presidential candidate mike bloomberg why would we toe tag somebody who did things just as awful as her uh, i don't know I, I thanks baltimore i i'm so like angry i was i was angry the other day when when the sentence was coming out just because i i, I feel like she hasn't learned a goddamn thing hmm. she released a video that they played in court that was basically like a uh the type of thing you would see at like if you went to a political fundraiser dinner mm-hmm uh, say you went to to Pete's big event tonight, right? Well, they they might have some video that plays before talking about how great of a president Pete would be. Is it an immemorial? And, and it would be like the like here's the Pete Buttigieg story. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, he was born sometime in the eighties. Like mm-hmm. hard scrabble life, military, gay mayor, now presidential candidate. They would like a do the do the mayor. documentary style thing about like how he's like you know like all, all him talking to camera being like that's when I knew I had to stand up for America that sort of thing 
Uh, that play, the Catherine Pugh's legal team put together a video much like that, where 40 seconds at the beginning was, I'm very sorry to the people of Baltimore and the people I hurt, blah, mm-hmm, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, fade to black, cut back in. How she was born. She was born one of six children in Baltimore. And it's just like continues on with just like, and then she fought for the people of Baltimore during the riots and Freddie Gray and mm. blah, blah, blah. Mm. And it's like her and Elijah Cummings, like always holding hands and like doing like, like holding hands together and stuff like that and celebratory victory. Like we're going to show some pictures of Elijah Cummings to make mm. you think she's not such a bad person. I mean, he's a pretty terrible person too. Uh. <laughs> but I mean, like it, it was like, it, it was so, I, I, when I saw that, I, it, that was the day before the sentencing happened. Mm-hmm. I said, whatever, it, I, I wish the judge could just watch that and just be like, I'm sentencing you for more for that alone. <laughs> like, <laughs> you so clearly didn't learn a lesson. You're trying to, like, clean up the mess with this video, mm-hmm. and you're going to hold a press conference after your sentence going, like, this isn't the last you heard of Catherine Pugh. By the way, good news, she can't run for mayor again or any other elected office because she's a convicted felon now. So we got that going for us. We don't have to worry about our Sheila Dixie on us for the rest of our lives. Ay, Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, maybe the uh, maybe the prosecutors have finally learned their lesson. And uh, if you're convicted of anything in Baltimore, we're going to make you plead to a year and a day just so you can't run for mayor again. Uh, I, the the fact that that Sheila is just going to run for the rest of our lives is yep. just it, an irritating to me. Well, let's hope the rest of her life. I mean, she is in her like, <laughs> 50s, right? So. She's going to be like Castro. <laughs> She'll live forever. <laughs> well, they're both evil. They both smoke a lot of cigars. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, both spend a time, a lot of time, conveniently just outside of Washington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> back uh, in the old, back in the old days of Castro, I guess it uh, it put it in stark relief when today, yeah, uh, a guy who, as Corey said in the opening, four times they tried to convict him, twice they did, both were overturned, <laughs> overturned yeah. by the state court of special appeals. Uh, they got him again this last time, and he went up for sentencing and. Apparently the courtroom was packed with supporters who were just like, why are we even doing this anymore? Yeah. Um, but the judge, in his infinite wisdom, gave him 50 years, which is essentially, to a guy who's been shot in the face by the BPD, a life sentence. Um, you know, he's not I mean, he, quality, he, so. he needed to get out of jail pretty soon to yeah. like really handle some serious medical issues that he's going on. Because, honestly, the I, I, and I, I, I firmly believe this, I think the Baltimore Police Department would hope he would have died at some point by now. Oh, they were hoping that like, all along. Uh, you know, like, as much as, as much as none of them would be able to ever admit that sort of thing out loud, their lives would have been so much easier if Keith Davis was just gone. Yeah, he was and, supposed to die the day of. That's yeah. Nice. Why are you living so long, man? Because then they could just not have to worry about this coming up every so often. And yep. the worst part is that every step along the way with the trial, and it's it was never like I feel like the first during the first couple of trials, it wasn't like ever that type of story that really like broke through in a huge way. Like not not like in Freddie Gray's case, obviously. Yeah, like where yeah. everyone knew about it. <clears throat> but there was like a, a a certain percentage of people who were like following every step along the way of the Freddie Gray trial. And, or the Keith Davis trial, mm-hmm. and every trial in itself had this had its own little microcosm of corruption involved yeah. with it. That was so between Brady violations and uh, not turning over witness evidence to the defense and uh, star witnesses who aren't star witnesses anymore because they were can't their testimony yep. and uh, just all kinds of shady shit from. Uh, the essay's office taking his uh, his original trial 
uh, pushing it back outside of the speedy trial provision, even though he was literally dying. Yeah. <laughs> bullet in his neck. I mean, like there were some, so several petitions to get him medical care, which the prosecutor's office fought. Like, yeah, like you can't leave prison to go to the hospital no that's not how yeah we're works. not gonna do that it's a complicated surgery and uh we don't think it's worthwhile for him to have it what if he dies before we get justice i i don't know and the the worst part is that it, it, me and you were sort of talking about this outside is because in this trial in the fourth version of this trial they can't talk about the things that happened in trials before yeah and they can't talk about how they, you know, like how originally the state's case was entirely different and different people were in play. But now that we know that none of these people are real or, like or reliable. legitimate, yeah. reliable, yeah. Uh, none of them can be called as witnesses anymore. So we got this whole new defense of what happened. And this video evidence that just turned up out of nowhere that shows somebody who looks black. So probably Keith. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> like who, you know, like it's. It's clearly a black guy not wearing the same outfit that Keith was, but you know, like, mm. I think people could change clothes. Yeah, of course, seems, right on the street. Seems like a running. reasonable, yeah, reasonable request to somebody. I mean, like, I don't know, like, it. It seems it's upsetting to me that we could be watching the trial and see all the all the problems that happen along the way, but the people who are the jurors and the fourth trial have to focus on just the evidence that's given to them at the time. Yep, and in any post-conviction things that are going to happen here, it's going to be so much harder for him to just get a new trial or for this verdict to be thrown out or anything that will come along the way just because the there has to be so much evidence to overturn a judge even if the decision he made was wrong. And even though the 50 years that Keith got was probably uh, more based off of a previous the gun conviction, charge. yeah, and <clears throat> because he he got guilty of the gun charge in this, it automatically probably added years yep. that he wouldn't have had otherwise. But I, uh, by the way, he uh, like Adnan would probably be out of jail if he took the first deal on the first case. Oh yeah, but he beat the first case except for the gun charge. So then they're like, well, let's charge him with murder too. And well, see I, what kept, happens. I kept thinking about that too. I can't. I I don't remember <clears throat> at any point there being a plea deal that I heard about. Oh, not for the murder. For the gun charge that oh, came the first, tra- okay. they offered him five years, which most certainly has passed since then. And he said, no, I didn't do it. And Well, the murder came the later, right? Yeah, so he beat a trial where there was like 17 charges. The only thing they gave him was felon in possession of a gun. But then they didn't find that he used the gun in... Like, commission co- of a crime. Commission yeah. of a crime. So he had the gun. They caught him with the gun because of the crime, but he didn't actually commit the crime. But also officers involved in this case were also involved in GTF cases, and there's uh, lots of evidence in the Gun Trace Task Force of officers planting guns on scenes to... There was one that I was reading where Wayne Jenkins uh, ran over a guy (laughs) and uh, basically realized there was no gun, and he was going to be in a lot of trouble because he just ran over some guy. Yeah. So uh, conveniently, a gun shows up. Hmm. Weird. And uh, uh, it makes the whole thing seem like it was reasonable that he ran him down yeah. with this car, you know? And uh, again, the woman who shot him in the face was uh, ancillarily related to the Gun Trace Task Force. Yeah. Where they found a gun that had no prints and was in a place where he logically could not have left it. So. I I, I don't I don't get it. I, and the, the fact that uh, Marilyn Mosby's office, like continues to like sort of like tap dance on 
any kind of cel- she celebrates like every little victory in this Keith Davis case. Like she doesn't even realize that it's a 180 face from where she was when she was charging officers in the Freddie Gray case. Yeah, you know, like she yeah. she goes from the steps of the War Memorial Plaza saying like, you know, we've heard your your calls for no justice, no peace, and we're going to bring it to you. Uh, and then immediately just turns a blind eye to Keith Davis's thing. Almost like I can't keep charging cops. Like yeah. I'm already in enough shit right on, now. Nobody's talking about this Keith Davis thing, so I'm just gonna stick with the cops on this one. And then all of a sudden, like she's in this death pact with the Baltimore Police Department as all these chips are falling, and they're she's stuck like, though. She's stuck, yep. and she can't. What, what is she supposed to do at this point? Yeah. So well, and, and she's doing this thing where she's just like, oh, of course, uh, you know, I, I charged the cops in the the Freddie Gray. Case. You know, I didn't do anything after that. Yeah. I didn't bother. I didn't bother poking any holes in their their evidence or anything, but you know, I I definitely convict or I definitely tried them. Yeah, but and uh, listen, we need or at them. least three of them. I don't. <laughs> we need the BPD. That's how we prosecute crimes. So we have to do what we have to do. But here, here's the thing: I, I don't, I can't say for sure that even if he gets this overturned and gets a new trial, that yet another type of some sort of corruption pops up during the next trial because it does seem like all four trials something came out either after the trial or during it, which impacted the end result getting overturned twice and sent back down to the court. And this one has a a very clear Brady violation that the judge just allowed them to continue and probably should have uh, granted a mistrial. But I I don't know. I it's the good news is before the end of the day where his sentence went through um, the Maryland court of special appeals uh, ordered a stay on the sentencing because apparently they're going to chime in. They have something they want to say, which I think is likely either the evidence presented by one of the witnesses who's now been made part of the gun trace task force, uh, makes it an unreliable, uh, finding and yeah. we can't do it. Uh, or the fact that the, there was a Brady violation that was so extreme that it's now lasted, you know, like six years over four trials. And you just pretending you didn't have this, that he should not be tried. I mean, the one thing they could do is to say, we overturn the verdict and uh, and find that Jeopardy applies. So he cannot be tried again for that. Then he would just be in there on the gun charge, and uh, whenever that's up, he'd be done. I mean, I feel like the, 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 the one thing that Keith's legal defense has going for him is that he's not trying to necessarily argue against the evidence mm-hmm. against him, even though that works in his favor as well. It's more that anything that would be trying to appeal this after the fact is about the corruption of the SA's office yeah. and how they, how by their actions, he was never going to be able to get a fair trial. And the fact that he had to basically audition his defense three different times yeah. before they figured out the way that they could beat him is not a fair standard for trying somebody to begin with. I mean, like, you know, if, I get to see your defense three times and I get to see where you're going to try and poke holes in my side. And I get to counteract that with new evidence that I find out of nowhere yeah. and stuff like, like that's, it's all, it, 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 that would set himself up very nicely possibly for the type of appeal that judges will make from time yeah. to time where there was, there was extenuating circumstances beyond the case. That impacted your ability to receive justice. I think tied with that, though, is the state presented four different theories of the case. Literally, it was different every single time. And that is in response to the evidence that was produced by the defense in the previous trial. So it's like, well, we can show that this is absolutely not true. All right, great. 
Well, when we try you again, we're not going to go with that. Well, we're going to push the timeline and move it. And I mean, on every single one of the, uh, you know, like the, the, the vote on the first trial was favored heavily on uh, not guilty mm-hmm. on pretty much all the counts. I think there was just the, the gun charge was the only one that they like got held up on. It was a, a compromise, but, uh, apparently, in the jury room where they said, well, we have him not guilty on a bunch. Here's one. That we're split and one we're split. We'll give you one, but you have to vote not guilty on the other one. Yeah. So they gave him the one that had five years or something like that. But, but I mean, like the even the 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 gun charge that he's sitting with is kind of like that. That would be having that hanging over him is sort of impacted his ability to do the trial differently every time. You know, yeah. like it, it's they they could all the state could always go back to the fact that they had a conviction for the gun mm-hmm. uh even though they had nothing else and try it again over and over again but i i i worry that that because there's a guilty verdict and because there's a sentence that we're less likely to get it overturned mm mm-hmm. Just because that's usually how it goes with cases well, like this. Fingers crossed. Uh, we'll find out in the next few weeks what the Court of Special Appeals has to say. But uh, I, I imagine, one, it won't be the most the last story of corruption in the police department and the mm. state's attorney's office. Probably won't be the last story of corruption in the mayor's office. Um, basically, Baltimore's for sale. So if, uh, <laughs> Jeff Bezos, I mean, I know you just bought a house in L.A., but maybe just... Uh, Go there, and you and Kevin Plank divide the wanna, city in half. Do you want to own Baltimore? Yeah. Sure. It's like uh, you, you, one of you guys can start the Sharks, the other one can start the Jets, and we'll just... Uh, <laughs> oh, man, I'd love, to, I'd love to see a little millionaire gang off. Eventually, that's going to come. Uh, we're in late-stage capitalism <laughs> as it is. So. Steyer and Bloomberg were almost at it the other day. Uh, uh, well, yeah, don't jump ahead now, but... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, so that is all the Baltimore news, so uh, we're going to go ahead and leave behind the Baltimore corner. Where you get the straight dope. And uh, I guess, uh, well, you know, I was going to say we should jump right into sports ball, but I think maybe we should uh, let everybody know that the OD Anthem store is still available. I don't oh, know yes. if you guys have seen the Instagram uh, post that we did about the brand new t-shirt. I don't think we've talked about that enough. Because for people who are in L.A. or people who wish they were in L.A. or people who visited L.A., I think it's a very uh, unique T-shirt idea that everybody should like. Yeah, and uh, I, I think that uh, there. I mean, for one, I've I've noticed a lot of traffic to the OT, oh, the Anthem store, so yeah. I feel I yeah. feel good about uh, people people finding it now. And we're we're constantly committed to making new T-shirt designs mm-hmm. and trying to expand what we what we do here. Uh, it's just a matter of like sometimes you just gotta like sit it out and like uh, hammer out all the details and like figure out what what works and what we need to design and stuff like that. But it's number two on the agenda. Number one is a four year consideration splash, which is coming <laughs> very soon. And then after that, we got more t shirts. And we'll assuming that awesome. the assuming that the Mexican border doesn't get shut down by coronavirus, <laughs> we'll be. But yeah, so uh, make sure you check out the new uh, DTLA Dark, that's my favorite, DTLA Dark, uh, on the OD Anthem store, which is, of course, available at odanthem.com. Uh, and I tell you, I'm going to get one, and I'm going to wear it uh, the next time that I have to make a transcontinental trip, and maybe I'll get a shout-out by somebody in, uh, well, I got, in New York when I w- I'm there. When, uh, when uh, the Pew trial verdict came out, I decided I had to wear my Baltimore Corner t-shirt. Right, yeah. 
And uh, I was right by, I was about to get on Angel's flight, and some guy was just like, oh my God, I need to take a picture of your t shirt. I'm like, yo, it's Please. available. It's available for by sale, all bro. Means. <laughs> <laughs> but um, go, go to ohtheanthem.com if you want to get one yourself. Yeah, look, get one for all your friends. They're available. Well, it's just like my, my son lives in Baltimore. He's the founder of a jazz choir or something like that. I'm like, good. Yeah. <laughs> Fun. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I will be wearing uh, that t shirt the next time I go to New York. Of course, going to New York to visit Roxy. Hi, Roxy. Thank you for joining us so late on the East Coast. Um, but uh, Roxy's in uh, in New York now. Yeah. So sadly, we miss her. Corey misses Carly more, I would say. No. That's uh, probably a high likelihood. So yes, producer Carly also has moved on to <laughs> other adventures. It's 51 Roxy and 49 Carly. Oh, it's, it's close. <laughs> it's close. Uh, it's like the Senate. Uh, <laughs> just barely carried a majority. <laughs> Uh, Susan Collins in there. Just <laughs> <laughs> I don't I'm, know. I mean, I like Carly, but Roxy's good, too. I don't know where I'm going to go. I'm just a little girl. Just, I shouldn't be voting. There's a mouse in the chamber. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, before we get too out of control, uh, let's... Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So not a, n- not not a lot a whole, going on. Yeah, not a whole lot of sports ball, but yeah. uh, I think it's important that we, we touch on this because God knows this might be the last time we ever get a chance to have this sort of story going on. But yeah, yeah. Chris Davis looking hot so far to start out spring training. Well, first of all, Corey, uh, whatever your feelings are about the new muscles that he has and him walking <laughs> around without a shirt, let's keep that to yourself. But he is uh, playing very well, I would say. So he... Uh, uh, has been hitting a couple home runs, going yeah. uh, going opposite field. <laughs> Chris Davis, photo Davis. <laughs> <laughs> Don't to, type and talk at the same trying time. Trying to type in photo day. Oh, it's just the old ones. Uh, uh, yeah, it's not photo day yet. We're not close enough. No, no, no. We we had photo day. Oh, do we? Yeah, I don't remember. Public, though, are they? Yeah, they they usually show them off. Oh, I haven't. Let's see. That's not that's a, previous pictures. I don't believe yeah. anything you're saying. It's, I don't know if it's true. We'll figure it out. Yeah, but, but Chris Davis, uh, in in a way that I never would have imagined this logic kind of working. Mm-hmm. But he was just like, I, I I've made a decision. I'm not going to do any of the any of the special video training that they have. I'm not going to do the swing analysis. I'm not going to do the, uh, you know, like trying to hit it at the right fly ball percent, <laughs> the right angle or anything like that. All I'm going to worry about is getting as big and brawny as humanly possible, and everything will work out. I'm just going to it. The Orioles are like, all right, I guess. And then he went home and got fucking huge, and mm-hmm. now he's coming into spring training and looking kind of like the old Chris Davis a little bit. Yes, like, looking like $67 million worth of Chris Davis. <laughs> oh, no, it's higher this year, right? It's got to increase year over year. No, no, no. It's not. It's not like sixty-seven million a year. I thought his contract was worth like a hundred and some. No, no. Uh, yeah, but I mean, like he's getting paid, fuck, like uh, seventeen or some million a year, and uh, then there's okay. a lot of Al- Albert Bell money at the end, ah. where he gets paid like hundred thousand dollars a year. To are we gonna end up with Chris Davis Day for the next? 40 oh yes. Years? Oh yes. Oh, It'll- Christ. <laughs> we'll pay you to retire. Let's just structure this. It'll settlement be the out. new Bobby Bonilla Day. Yeah, it'll be it'll be great fun. By the way, we are getting close to the end of Bobby Bonilla Day. 
No. I think it's 2025 or 26, which is the last Bobby Bonilla day. So, so. it will be Chris Davis day after that. Yeah, I suppose after <laughs> that. We'll, uh, right at the end of his contract is when uh, we'll be like, well, let's structure out this settlement. We'll give you $2 million a year. <laughs> For the Chris Davis Day. Yay. Yay. But uh, luckily for us, we're at least getting some home runs for our money and made the difference now in two games in spring training, mm-hmm. as much as credence as you want to give to that. Um, we are not going to go to spring training, which is very upsetting to me. Yeah, I would have liked have, to we have. know someone in St. Pete. Yeah. You know. I, I, uh, Especially because it's the best baseball they're going to play all year. They're not going to look this good during the season. Let's just be honest with each other here right now. I want to see all the people that will be on the Orioles the next time I make a consistent effort to go see them. Yes, <laughs> which will be two years from now. And But they're not going to play better, and the weather's nice, and they're not going to win 50 games this year. At least I want to see them win in spring training. Well, there's a chance they get all rained out, too. I can tell you from experience that sort of, that happens from time to time. Well, so. I mean, I don't know. I was there for uh, <laughs> what, five days, and I saw eight games, two of which got rained out. So I think it's really just about not getting distracted by other things available in Florida, <laughs> like the beach or Disney, Disney yeah. we're out for five days. Or Universal or some nonsense like that. I <laughs> You go for baseball, you go for baseball, okay? I, uh, I'm i really looking forward to the season, though. I, yeah. I, I, I don't imagine the Orioles will, will, at some point, I'm sure we'll do our for fun prediction of how far back the Orioles will be. <laughs> but I don't think that... I honestly don't feel like this year's team is going to be it's going to be bad, but it's not going to be bad in the same way that it had been the last two years, I think. At least a little bit of improvement. It'll look you'll see some guys where you're just like, oh, well, maybe in a couple years that guy's really going to be something, you know, because you'll get like the first year of like Mount Castle this year. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I hear he he hits really well and he looks like he's ready to to take on major league hitting. But the defense isn't there yet. And we don't know what position he'll play necessarily. So it's like one of those, like, we get to bring him up and we get to admire the bat, but then also sort of do that game of, like, where are we going to let this guy field? Yeah, because like, the games don't matter. It's basically an entire season of spring training. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, and again, at least we're not putting our hopes, hanging our hopes on some unnamed person who we got in a trade with from Cleveland. And it's like, who are you, who are you talking about now? Oh, yeah, we just got him. It's going to be great. <laughs> this guy is going to turn this franchise around. We have Chris Davis, our franchise player, who gets paid like a franchise Well, player, I also so. feel like... Uh, the the difference from past Oriole years is like where you used to sign like Miguel Tejada or something like that. Where yeah, it was just like the the rest of the team was garbage, but you signed Miguel Tejada and you're just like, listen, guys, division's not that far away. We got Tejada now. Yeah, and he was a great player, but he wasn't enough to make up for the fact that uh, eight other people had to be on the field at the same time. Yeah, you can only hit so many times. Only hit so many <laughs> times. Um, but yeah, you're uh, one of nine people going through that order. So. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe if you put on a mustache, you can get him out there twice. <laughs> can you fool somebody? Just put him up there in Jay Gibbons' jersey. It's like, wait a minute. He wasn't right-handed last time. That, like, I, no, I, no, no. I'm Jay Gibbons. I got a birth certificate and everything. I was. I was Jay Gibbons last time. Yes. It's me. Yes. Uh, anyway, is there anything else you want to talk about? Sports? No, that's no. that's about it for uh, the sports ball. Oh, wait. That's not sports ball. <laughs> that is certainly not sports There we go. Well, and uh, we didn't really, and again, uh, not having a four-year consideration splash, I can't play that right now, but uh, I'd say that there was really only one story I wanted to talk about. Um, coming out of Oscars, you get into that little bit of like post-Super Bowl feeling where it's mm-hmm. like everything was really intense and like, let's calm down. We've only been to one movie in two weeks. Yeah. 
It's crazy. Well, it is. It is dumpsuary. It so is. Yes. Not anymore. Now it's. I can't come up with the the thing for March, but March is just as bad as dumpsuary. <laughs> so, uh, we saw Sonic. We did see Sonic. Yeah. Uh, I would like to see the Invisible Man. Me too. I've been hearing interesting things about that. Mm. Uh, and as a, a monster aficionado, I uh, I wouldn't mind. I, seeing what they choose to do with that. The one thing is, obviously, we have lived, many of our viewers may not have, but we lived through the Kevin Bacon Invisible Man movie, which <laughs> I thought was campy but excellent in a campy way. Um, and now they're doing what maybe we should have done all along, which is tell the story not from the perspective of the invisible person, but from the person who's terrorized by the invisible yeah. person. Um, how do you make a horror movie where like you're looking at it from the perspective of of the bad guy, and uh, you know, just watching him lose his mind. So, I don't oh, know. look at it! Hannibal Lecter is misunderstood. Mm, <laughs> I feel bad for him. You know, that's uh, '80s star Kevin we sh- Bacon. We should just follow Hannibal Lecter around until we feel bad for him. Yeah, and now <laughs> I, even saying that, I'm like, it's got to be a much more interesting premise to be the one who is suspecting the Invisible Man, but like, well, is I think I think part of the problem was that the. Uh, Frankenstein came first. Yeah. And Frankenstein's monster is the type of story where you want to develop the connection with the monster. Like, you know, the 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 whole reveal is that you know the the townspeople were the monsters after oh, all. Long. You know, like yeah. that was the that was the idea. And then every monster movie that came after it was sort of like, how do we get a little piece of that Frankenstein magic in this? And it's like, well, we have to have a connection to yes. The <laughs> We have to make the audience feel for the Invisible Man. And it's just like, well, or he could just be a monster. <laughs> that was Elizabeth Shue was the the girl in that. I movie? mean, like, I think there'd be I think there'd be something fun about Frankenstein where it's just like the whole thing plays out in the first 30 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's just like the townspeople are just like, oh, we're the monsters after all. And then Frankenstein starts killing people. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, you come around. It's just like a, uh, uh, oh, damn, uh, brawl in cell block 99. Like 30 minutes in, they feel regret. But Frankie, he don't feel no regret. And he just comes in, starts bashing skulls in. That'd be a good movie. Good anti-hero Frankenstein. Listen, Universal, I know that's a property that you're trying to reboot. I feel like we have the answer. All the monsters are, in fact, monsters. Mummy, not misunderstood. Cursed being <laughs> wants to send everyone to hell. Just monsters. <laughs> Just we're gonna make them monsters again. Make monsters, monsters again. Right here, amazing. <laughs> Come on, Universal. Throw some. Uh, you got a billion dollars for that, right? Yeah. It's a new franchise. <laughs> do you do you have any any quick thoughts on Sonic? By the way, since we. Uh, I mean, uh, comparing it to the previews that we saw of the original. <laughs> I like the visuals better. But uh, you made a comment coming out, which I can say I agree with, which is it feels like they literally just said, how little do we have to change in order to get this thing to be good? Well, so I was listening to uh, uh, the director on uh, the business this weekend, mm-hmm. and he, w- he was saying that they didn't do any reshoots for that movie. Really? So I've kind of shifted my opinion on what happened. I kind of feel like what they did instead was they just had one of those sets where it's just like, we're going to throw out a whole bunch of options. Oh, oh yeah. Like, it's like, uh, you know, we're like on an Adam McKay set or something like that, yeah. like Anchorman. Hey, everybody like, do it that way. Do it the script we're gonna way. Run, we're going to run three cameras. We're going to do it like the script once, and then we're going to have fun a bunch. Yeah. And then I'm just going to throw out lines to you every once in a while. I don't know. Like, I, I the, the review for Sonic, which will be coming up soon, uh, I basically said, it's not good, it's not bad. 
but it's certainly <laughs> it's like uh, it, it 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 sort of feels like Jello, I guess. Like it's like it's not nutritious. It's not good for me, but it's, <laughs> it's sustenance. There. It's something, yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> and you know, in uh, in a a dumptuary, as you called it, just being able to have a little bit of nostalgia kind of like ups the value a little bit. Yeah, that, the beginning where we see a live action Green Valley, like. Yeah, yeah Green Hill Zone. It. Green Hill Green Hill Zone, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, that's what it would look like. That's cute. Okay, now let's see I get to the story. Oh, there isn't one really. All right, sure. I also I also like uh on the review just imagined the first like thirty minutes of the movie where it was all happening in Sonic's world. Yeah. And yeah. then they like watched an early cut and they're just like so that forty minutes that we stay stay in Green Hill Zone's gotta fucking go. Yeah. How quickly can we can you just meet the owl and leave? It's like, well, nobody will know what the owl's about. And this is like, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> nobody gives a shit about the fucking owl. <laughs> was the owl in the game? No, I don't not that think I remember. So, right? Like, uh, I don't know. There was, a, I mean, like the problem with these, with, with any, like you know, like uh, I imagine I've thought about this personally. I imagine that like Legend of Zelda would make an awesome movie experience, much right. in the same way that like. Which is coming, Lord of the Rings is a great movie going experience yeah. because you know, like, and I know Roberto is gonna like jump in the comments and just be like, "Here we go, watch it, you motherfucker!" Yeah, but like, you know, like I, I can tell you just from looking at it, like, you know, the fights and the number of people and everything like that. I, I could see a way you could make a Legend of Zelda movie interesting, mm-hmm. given all that, all that pretense. But the there's no way to do it loyally to how the game works because there's no way to make a, you know, a a version of the movie where you go to four different parts of the world. Yeah. Like the time it takes to actually win a game of Zelda. I was going to say, is is it the wind waker where you spent hours just sailing across the map? It's like, like, Oh yeah. Really great that this world is the side of (laughs) Ohio. Just sailing across the ocean for three hours. Uh, Yeah. But the, like, you know, the, the, Sonic, there's not really any like way of doing like a real life version of it where like So we discuss this at work. The point of the original game is that Dr. Robotnik is evil. Mm-hmm. He takes a chaos emerald that Sonic is given by someone he has at the beginning of the game. Yeah. And Sonic realizes he's trying to reunite all the chaos emeralds, and when he does that, he becomes like all powerful. <laughs> That's well, not a bad fucking movie <laughs> premise. For him just to go battling Dr. Robotnik. I mean, like, the it, the more I thought about it, the only way I felt like they could have made this, like, different and new and sort of, like, inspired enough is maybe if you did, like, more of a Wreck-It Ralph yeah. thing where it's just, like, what, what happens when the game's not on? Or, like, maybe some sort of... They figured out some sort of way to get out of the game. Yeah, yeah. But, like, having everything sort of happen in real life sort of feels like, I don't know, like the Transformers version of a... Yeah. <laughs> Of a superhero or of a uh, video game movie, you know. Also, the, the rings are super important in the game, and they're yeah. important in the movie too, but not in a way that makes logical sense to me. Of, uh, but not in the same way either. It's yeah. like yeah. now you can throw a ring to transport to a different. You know, like there used to be the if you had fifty rings in your possession and you got to the end of the level and you go through the little turnstile, yeah, there would be a big ring you could jump through to go to like a special level, yeah. and get a chaos emerald, but. Th- you know, just sort of like having a bag of rings and throwing one and being able to transport wasn't like something, yeah. you know, like. And then you it, you came back, though. Like, you went to the special level, but then you came back and you continued and the I, game. Which, I mean, like, and uh, for anyone who's about to go watch Sonic, uh, just know this. We're not ruining any of the plot. Because no. There's basically no plot. <laughs> there's no, 
Sonic loses a ring. He has to go get it. He gets it. He's saved. Like, that's pretty much the it's movie. A, it's uh, a buddy cop travel Tra- adventure lost item must be recovered movie. Like It's yeah. all of these things just mashed together into one pile. Uh, and then we just use Sonic, which has nostalgic value, and we uh, call it a movie. So, it's almost like a executive Paramount just walked in and be like, what's the least amount of effort we can put into this? <laughs> so it's like, well, I guess he could just have to go get his ring, and then he could escape. <laughs> Done. Do All it. Right. Write that up. <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. Um, anyway, but the whole point of me bringing up the four-year consideration <laughs> this week was that today, unfortunately, we also lost uh, Robert Lipton. James. James Lipton. <laughs> literally was thinking that James Lipton uh, and that might not be notable for most people but uh, we have on many occasions commented about being on inside, inside the action yeah. studio and having James Lipton uh, although I think our uh, our version of him is far more like uh, that Martin Short character than it is uh, Jimmy Glick <laughs> Jimmy Glick yeah. than it is the real uh, James Lipton uh, but I, I uh, you know it's uh there would be times throughout my life where I was just like uh, thinking about if I were to ever become famous and what kind of shows would I want to be on, mm-hmm. you know, like I kept like thinking to myself like, oh, I'd probably be a Letterman guy over a Leno guy. Like not like, you know, I was going to be famous by the time they I would have to the- choose between Leno and Letterman. <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, like when you're when you're when I was younger, I would watch Leno and Letterman and I'd probably be like, oh, I'd probably be on Dave's show more, you know, because sure. Dave is more my kind of guy. And then there was like the when uh, Top Gear was still a thing with the original crew. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, being a star in a reasonably priced car would be like a huge goal. Like I would love to be able to do that. And then that goes. And then you know, inside the actor studio was another one that like I was just always like that would be really cool to be a part of. And but now we just want to trend on TikTok. So <laughs> the world has changed so much. I w- now here's the question: Do you think it comes back in some other way? Do you think they find a 40-year-old version of Lipton. Uh, so they tried to do that or with... Or just um, shoehorn Chris Hardwick in there. They did Siskel and Ebert, and then when Siskel died first, yeah. I think, then they brought in the guy who actually replaced him at the newspaper. Right. Uh, and it lived for like half a season, and they were just like, ah, they don't have the same dynamic Not as Phillips, the other one. Yeah. I can't remember. I can't remember his name. Yeah. But... Uh, I, they could try, but one of the stories I was reading today said that like that was Lipton going to Bravo or whatever it was, and being well. Like, I mean, this is this is part of what the actor studio was was yeah. bringing people in to talk. Like, so it was kind of like this was happening before it was televised, and then it became a televised event. Yeah, and I just don't think that you can you can replace. And then once it was on television, you could get bigger bigger names to be involved. Yes, uh, it becomes part when of the show circuit. as a hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um, but, I mean, I, I think it's a good idea, but Hardwick already does that. He has a podcast where it's just f- famous people coming in. So What I what I always respected about Lipton was uh, he, he took so seriously the process of acting yeah. that even when somebody who came in didn't have the same sort of respect for the process of acting, like, you know, because there's, there's some actors who are way more, uh, I just sort of fly by the seat of my pants. Yeah. I don't, like, do a lot of character. <laughs> I don't, like, create my character beforehand. I just sort of show up on set and yeah. it happens. Um, but even when somebody who, like, flies by the seat of their pants would come into the actor's studio, Lipton would still try and, like, get to the bottom of, like, and why do you think you do that? Hmm? And it's just like, 
well, I never really thought about it before, but I guess it was because my mom didn't love me. And, you know, and then you get that moment. <laughs> Lipton's sitting there like, interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I was going to say, Bravo already has a, uh, a show about addiction, so I don't know if Hardwick's the best one to, <laughs> to fill that. Oh, but, um, that was like 10 years ago. No, I'm saying like <laughs> all the episodes of uh, ID10T, it's no longer Nuggets, yeah. but ID10T, end up being like, well, you know, I've been sober for four years. Oh, that's great, man. That's yeah. great. Like, uh, yeah, like, what, what made you get sober? And I'm like, this is not... <sighs> there, There is a clear delineation, by the way, between Chris Hardwick's career pre... Chloe Dykstra allegations ah, and post. I can tell you sure. that because, oh, like, sure. just uh, having the the podcast subscribed and like seeing the level of guest that used to be on the show mm-hmm. <laughs> compared to the and nothing against you know the Property Brothers or something like that, whoever's on the show now. Yeah, but like, it, it, there definitely seems to be a difference between the type of type of get he was able to have before. Uh, again, hard yeah. Nerdist when it was Nerdist became one of those stops you wanted to make because yeah. it's like. I'm making a comic book movie or I'm making like a sci-fi movie. That's the audience. I want to get in there so I can get to those guys to have them come out to my movie. And now it is kind of like, uh, so you guys got that new show on Bravo coming out. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, uh, this is fine. I How guess. many times I, I look at a, a guest and I'm just like, who? Yeah. And then I click on it and it's just like in charge of Houston's NASA command center. And I'm just like, oh, I wonder if Neil, <laughs> you think Neil's been on since, uh, well, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. I like to follow Neil. Uh, but Neil had his own problems. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and his podcast was gone for a while. Now he's back again. Star Talk. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, By the way, did I just call him Neil the entire conversation? <laughs> like, oh, like yeah, you, I know him. Like you and Neil go way back. Me and Neil, we know each <laughs> other. We were both in the same astrophysics class. Uh, pff, he finished second. I don't know. <laughs> no. Here been, I am. We've been causing trouble with the women, me and Neil. <laughs> <laughs> with the lady folk. Uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, RIP to James Lipton and, uh, there, there will be, by the way, you did a Jiminy Glick version of Lipton when you just were talking about him. (laughs) So what do you think you do? (laughs) Uh, which is not Lipton. And I encourage people to go find, go find episodes. Well, the problem, the problem with Lipton is like, I feel like so much of his intensity Mm -hmm. came from like a stillness. Yeah. And like, it almost looked like a painting was talking to you sometimes. Cause like he turned to you and you just have like these, he had the, the, his eyebrow game was completely there. It was just, yeah. It's just like, give you a, give you an eyebrow over the glass and you just be like, do you think your father appreciates what you do? <laughs> it's just like, holy shit. Cutting deep. Wait, what? <laughs> what? I wasn't prepared to talk about this. We were just talking about my method. I got into a place <laughs> and now uh, you're throwing me off, James. I can't. I always like too when he when he would respectfully ask if like we could see an old character. <laughs> like he'd be like, Is there any way we could see Ace Ventura for a few minutes? Yeah. I will say so by the way, some of my favorites And it's uh, it's just Jim Carrey just going like, All right, so how many lines from Ace Ventura can I just parrot back? <laughs> all righty. <laughs> uh, J- uh Jim Carrey, uh Robin Williams. It's weird because it's like all of the character guys from the 80s and 90s. Those are my favorite episodes because he does that and he's just like, so what's the difference between this character and that character? And I'm thinking in my head like um, he changes the voice a little bit and then got paid $20 million. But he's like, (laughs) no, no, no. So the difference between these two characters is about how they see the world. And and I'm like, what? I mean, to me, I think the coolest thing about uh, inside the actor studio is that it demystified the process mm-hmm. in a different way because like you know if you would watch somebody on like a regular it, it, you know 
catch somebody on ET talking about their latest role. Yeah. Like even if you were playing some um uh Catherine Johnston just died too. The NASA Yes, uh Hidden Figures. Yeah, the one based on Hidden Figures. So like, you know, if Tarashi is going around doing a media tour and she's on entertainment tonight, they could say like, you know, like why is it so important to play a character like this and she could be like, well, you know, she's a a role model that I feel like people don't know enough about. Maybe after this movie that her her profile raises mm-hmm. a little bit, but she's an incredible blah 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 blah. And it's all about like, you know, the the vague pluralities of who a person is. But when mm-hmm. you would talk to Lipton, he was more interested in like sort of how you got there. Yeah. And there would be a lot more questions about like so when you play when you play Catherine, you did a it, it looked like you tried to keep things a little bit tighter. And she's just like, yeah. So part of the preparation I did for the role was I was putting a ruler in my shirt to make sure I was like saying nope. stiff because mm-hmm. she was a very like serious, like stiff. Like she seemed like the type of person that if she wasn't like sitting perfectly up in her chair at all times. So I needed to like train myself with that. And that's like the type of thing that you would never get in the ET. Yeah, interview. They like they don't have that. time for that. Yeah. They don't care. But like with Lipton, he wanted to like get into all these little like, yeah. Little pieces that I, I, I always found fascinating. And and thinking about all the um, episodes of uh, Inside the Actor Studio that I saw, one thing that all of the actors always brought up was uh, preparation and especially making sure that if they were about to be on camera, they would memorize all of the lines. So maybe, I don't know, someone we know should <laughs> watch every episode of Inside the Actor Studio. And I, I will say this. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe the thing that was keeping all the p- back episodes off Netflix or something like that was mm-hmm. uh, Lipton didn't want them out there or something like that. And maybe the family will not a will will pull a Prince family. And yeah. Do- like what paycheck? Yes. Absolutely. Wait, we can make money by putting this on Netflix. Fuck. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's put all 27 seasons of inside the actor's studio on Netflix. I don't give a shit. Oh, it's like an American <laughs> show that ran on the British schedule where it was just like, all of a sudden he'd be like, we have six episodes coming to you over the next six weeks and then didn't hear from him for 18 months. Like uh, he disappear for a year and a half. Yeah. You but completely forget about Lipton. And then all of a sudden it'd be like inside the actor studios back. And this week it's going to be Tom Cruise. And you're just like, how are you getting Cruise out of it? Nah, Cause Cruise wants to be on. Lipton show. <laughs> just disappear. But show uh, up. RIP to James Lipton. Yeah. And, uh, a yet another dream shattered for Corey and I, <laughs> a show we won't be able to be on. Uh, but I don't, you know, we're running a little long already. Uh, I want to make sure we get to our two main topics. Yes. Um, although the more I think about it, the there is less to say, um, except for me to just look into the camera. Wait, let me get on. I mean, let me a get lot on of one shot. a lot of these things tie together too. Yes, so you're true. Like, right. But I want to. I want you all to listen to me carefully. We're all going to die. Okay. So yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> I started scaring the kids at work by uh, every time they bring something up, I'd be like, oh, yeah, no, we're all going to die. And they're just like, wait, do you really do you really think we're going to die? And then I would go get the gas mask that I bought. And the next time I came upstairs, I would have the gas mask on. Just be like, hey, guys, how's it going? Like, what are you wearing? Uh, This is an N99 certified certified gas mask. So uh, it keeps me safe from all of you. Uh, I'm going to outlive you all. And, uh, you know, you're. In bars and uh, going to raves, and uh, you're gonna get corona. I, uh, I'm getting a little bit. It, so there's a two sided thing to this. Um, first of all, anytime any kind of virus breaks out mm-hmm. in some sort of way, it's covered ad nauseum on every newscast across the world because it's one of those things that, like, like a hurricane. 
it'll get people to watch TV. Yeah, yeah. If you talk about coronavirus enough, then people will just continue to watch CNN and act like they're watching it literally, like, moving across the country. You know, like... It's like live murder porn. <laughs> Uh, and it's not because, you know, the reason why they air it so much is not because the crisis is that much worse than it was last week. It's mm-hmm. just that people will keep tuning in to watch it. Now, the other problem is, hold on. Okay. I, I know Go you're going to make the argument that things are a lot worse than they were last week. Yes. But hold on. Um, the other thing is that, uh, now I'm, I'm, it's gotten out there in the news enough that the other, the right is now doing this. You're just saying that coronavirus is the worst thing ever because you want everyone to be scared and you want Trump's stock market to take mm-hmm. <laughs> and like all mm-hmm. sorts of stuff like that. And I'm just like, maybe we can be somewhere in the middle. Maybe maybe we should be uh, seriously considering our actions and how we, how we quarantine people who might have the disease and keep it from spreading. Uh, and at the same time, let's not do 24 hours a day of we're all about to die. Yeah. Um, I would say maybe the happy medium is somewhere. I'd say I agree with you, but the fact remains that we are all about <laughs> to die. Uh, so predictably, because the CDC did predict this happening, yeah, uh, it reached a point in the U.S. where the flaws of our medical system headed downward, and the number of infected people hit a magic point, uh, and that point was, hey. You know the waitress who touches your food? Um, she can't take a sick day because she has to go unpaid if she takes a yeah. sick day. So she comes into work. She's not feeling great. She coughs on your food. And then 10 days later, we find out, oh, she had coronavirus and probably really felt like shit and should have stayed home. But she went to work every day until she went to the hospital. And now who knows how many people she's infected. There are now 100 confirmed cases across the U.S. It went from 7 to 100 in the course of a week. Mm-hmm. Six of those people in Washington State died. Two people in Florida died. Two people in California have died. Um, and they're looking now for infections in New York. And not to tie this in with... And don't forget know, about all the people who died in China and Europe and Italy and stuff. I was like. talking about important people, Americans. <laughs> um, but yes, no, I think the death toll now is is pushing a thousand, um, including all the people in the Wuhan province. And the kill rate is going up, if you will. Like it seems like the virus is slightly mutating and doing better at being spread and doing better at killing people. Um, and we don't have the facilities, the system set up to deal with this. Uh, people don't have insurance, so they don't go to the doctor until they go to the ER. They don't have sick days, so they don't take off work. And, I mean, listen, not, I mean, all of my stuff now, starting in 2020, has, uh, has like, sick time and, and vacation time and, like, the whole nine, health insurance. But there was a time when people were had, like, I have two sick days a year. I got to decide, is this one of the days I'm going to feel the worst in the next 365 well, not, days? Okay, so, to me, the problem with, like, sick days and this, this part of logic is that uh, uh, I've also felt pressure to uh make sure that i don't take sick days that impact other people you know oh, like, yeah. yeah yeah i don't want to like take a sick day on the busy the day payrolls do because i'm the one who does payroll so mm-hmm. if i take a sick day then nobody gets paid tomorrow yep. you know like yep. those were the things that would weigh on me and i i know weigh on other people like i can't take a sick day on tuesday you know like 
Yeah, I like literally, it's like somebody was like, if you're not feeling well, you should go home. And I'm like, who is going to do what I do? Yeah. Which one of you wants to step up and take my take my job over for even a day? Um, but I mean, other people luckily are. We are encouraging the staff to stay home. But I know we are reaching the point where some of them are already out of sick time from like a rollover plus whatever. And it's like either we have to credit them and let them earn it back or you just say either unpaid or come to work. And is it worse for them to stay home unpaid or maybe for us to pay for extra days or to have them come to work? Um, but it's the disease seems to or the virus seems to be getting worse and it doesn't seem to be stopping. And the CDC said, hey, um, here's the problem. The test we have, we're not sure is accurate. Turns out it's not very accurate. Uh, and uh, people were misdiagnosed as not having it when they did. And the CDC also said we're going to reach this critical mass where the number of uh, the impact of our medical system and the number of people is going to cross. And that seemed to happen this weekend. And now things are flying a bit out of control. Um, speaking of flying a bit out of control, I am going to be wearing my mask anytime I have to go in public, basically, for the next few weeks. And I have the, the gas mask. It looks very scary. It looks like a... Uh, it comes from a radioactive suit. Yeah, yeah. But I also got like a nice little smooth scorpion or uh, or sub-zero mask. That's the one I'm going to start wearing. You know what I think you should start going with is the, the guy from Mad Max. You should just start doing the... Oh, like the whole... Yeah, the, like, the Bane, the modified yeah, Bane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, that's basically what my one at work looks like <laughs> that I used to scare people. Uh, and somebody was like, yeah, that's really funny. You don't even or have you filters. Could, or there. you could be the guy, like the little baby-like one who has like the... <laughs> The baby and all the wives. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Fury, <laughs> Fury Road one. Fury Road. Yeah. Yes. I, uh, but one of the guys at work was just like, man, you don't even have like filters in there. And then I did the filter test where you put your hands over it and it like sucks the mask in to show your seal. And I'm like, I'm protecting myself from you. Yeah. And then he was all fun and games until I did that. And he was like, yo, seriously, are you, are you going to wear that mask all the time around here? Like, are you, are we, should we be worried? Should we all go home? And I'm like, you can go home if you want. It's unpaid, but uh, feel free to go home. And then they went back to work. So I'm the best boss Capitalism. Ever. Yeah. Uh, late stage capitalism. But um, my, my, the point of that was uh, that Trump in his budget for the last two years has cut CDC and uh, our, our part of our donation to the World Health Organization. And now we are not prepared for a pandemic. And it seems we're about to face... A pandemic, which is ironic, uh, if you think everyone dying is ironic. Um, but the, we are now the, in the... The worst part, the worst part is not that, uh, you know, Trump has been cutting the budget for CDC and mm -hmm. we're all fucked and everything like that. It's just that he's just like, I'm going to put Mike, Chen Mike Pence in charge of this. The one guy who, like... It'd be like, hey, we got some really important science thing to do, so we're going to put Corey in charge. And it's just like, no, that's... Not Right, speaking of science, you know Mike who's going to be in charge of this rocket launch? Corey. It's like speaking of rocket launches, Mike Pence, the guy who there was a big sign that said "Do not touch," yeah. and he first thing he did when he walked up was put his hand on yeah. it. And I was like, this guy. Um, but luckily for us, we're all going to be safe, Corey, because as Mike Pence has pointed out, all we need to do is pray, and we'll be safe from Corona. It's the godless Chinese that uh, brought this virus on us, and it's our God that can save us. So uh, I'm feeling happy. Tell, tell that to all the Europeans. <laughs> well, you know, they, that socialism is basically uh, atheism, so it's all an ism. Uh, we don't practice that here. It's, <laughs> That's we, diet God. We practice itties. Christianity, 
not atheism. Socialism, atheism, they're basically the same. It's uh, God's punishment on Europe and the rest of the world. Oh, lordy. But it uh, also turns out we are in a, uh, a race to try and replace that guy. And we've reached that point in a democratic race where, one, everyone, the party starts eating its own. And then on the other hand, we start losing candidates who strangely back the guy that uh, no one thought had a chance until South Carolina. So... What's amazing to me with uh, Joe's huge win in South Carolina. Oh, by the way, Joe Biden had a huge win in South Carolina. In case you missed that part. uh, Is that with that one with that one victory, he's second there in the the delegate count. A lot of people in South Carolina, surprisingly. Oh, I know. But but it's amazing how, you know, like Joe was effectively dead. And then one win brings him all the way back. Like I would have. I wouldn't have imagined such a delegate swing with the one victory, you know? Well, keep in mind, though, uh, all of these states have been, like, split delegates. Yeah. And the vote has been, like, 15% to 14% to 12%. And a big win means you get a lot of those chunks of uh, delegates. So it doesn't have to be California to make an impact. You have to win by a lot. And nobody has won by a lot. He's the first one. Um, And... Maybe. Well, to win by a lot in a state that carries a lot of votes. Yeah. I mean, like, you could argue that Bernie won by a lot in Nevada and won by a lot in New Hampshire, mm. but uh, it, it wasn't. It, there was also a lot of people who were, like, cutting into his vote total. Yes, yeah. By having people in the campaign who wouldn't. And, you know, I uh, I, I want to say we've lost a lot of candidates. One of the candidates we lost this week was uh, Pete Buttigieg, who I said nearly two I years ago. Would make an excellent president and is likely to run for president. And I believe Corey said something along the lines of, who? (laughs) And I said, keep your eye out because this guy's got something. Um, And it turns out he had a lot of things. What he didn't have was any support in the black community, which is very important once you get to, you know, the south. What I do appreciate about Pete is that he was just like, you know what? We're done. (laughs) Like he he, he was doing well. He was placing, placing the... He was getting podiums all across the all across the race, and then he loses huge in South Carolina. He's like, you know what? There's no way to the end. I'm bought. See ya. Well, and I, I think part of it also was they were using South Carolina as a test. Like, is the, are the national polls correct? Do I really have zero percent in the African American vote? Oh, I do. Okay, I'm just gonna go home then. Okay, cool. Uh, maybe we'll figure that out in the next four years, and I'll be back. But uh, I got to figure out how to make black people like me. <laughs> so. Uh, so he's out. Uh, Amy just, Klobuchar just walking around, be like, "Will you be my friend?" <laughs> what? Like, I need a black friend. Do you I have- need, I need one ba- black friend. Yes, because uh, what I've learned hanging out with Joe Biden is that he says, "My black friend, Obrock." <laughs> All he says. Uh, so I'd be like, I need one of them too. Yeah, we- <laughs> yeah. But, no, but uh, <laughs> Pete's out. Uh, Amy Klobuchar is also out. And the difficulty with that is you have two centrists who are essentially folding their votes in behind Joe Biden. Uh, and he also got a... See, but I, I, I really wonder about that. Because to me, when I heard that uh, Pete and Klobuchar and Steyer were all out, not that mm-hmm. I was thinking about voting for any of them super... I mean, I was thinking about Pete. But you were I thinking like, about Steyer? No. Come on, it's a dark horse candidate. Come but on I mean, like, none of, none of these people <laughs> dropping out made me go like, well, I guess I got to vote for Biden. I yeah. think they all sort of said to me, uh, Warren's more in play. Yep. Which I think is interesting because a lot of people are sort of at this point saying, why is Warren staying in the race 
when she's under the same sort of like, you know, uh, humongous deficit in delegates yeah. Yeah. that Pete and Klobuchar would be dealing with. It's Super Tuesday. Like, you guys didn't even make it to Super Tuesday where you could have won a lot of delegates. I, I think I think Pete saw that there wasn't many wins out there for him. And yeah. Klobuchar just realized that she just didn't have enough support. To well, continue, and then I, I, they were running out of states without black people. Well, and Steyer, so <laughs> Steyer was uh, was putting a lot of money into South Carolina. And I think when he didn't win there, he was just like, "All right, so clearly money happen. is not going to buy this for yep. me." Yep. Um, Michael Bloomberg didn't stop though. <laughs> well, I mean, he hasn't actually been on a ballot yet, so he's still waiting for his first chance to get a vote. And by the way. I think he has spent something like $500 million already, and he has not been on a ballot. Yeah. He's going to make this the most expensive primary uh, in history, and he hasn't been on a ballot yet. Well, he kept making the, the logic when he when he got in the race, because he got in really late, was that uh, he didn't feel like Biden could do it. Yeah. And that there needed to be some someone on the moderate side of the spectrum to do it. But in the time that it took for him to actually get on a ballot, Biden has corrected himself. Yeah. Uh, now... I really don't know. I, you know, I, I, the problem with politics is that somebody wins one state and then all of a sudden the, the whole thing becomes about, you know, yeah. like get behind Biden. He's the one. But I, I really don't. I, I'm, I've been thinking a lot more about what's going to happen when we get a debate between Trump and whoever the Democrat may be. Because yeah. I feel like they're going to limit the number of debates that they have. Oh, the, if you're Trump, you don't want to debate. I mean, you want to go out there and debate because people are going to want to see you debate. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think he could go without with no oh, debates. No, no, but it's not going to be the Democratic primary where it's like 19 mm. debates. No. It'd probably three. be two. Two, I, I would imagine. I, I, I honestly think that you do three, and you what you want is to make two of those not a one-on-one debate. Town hall style... Uh, like, let's all just get together because surprisingly, he's good colloquially. That's he did really well in that debate with Clinton, uh, except for when he was like creepily standing behind her. Right. Um, but otherwise, people think about him being like a creep over her shoulder. But he was really relatable in that debate in a way that you don't think a guy who claims to have a billion dollars but probably doesn't would be <laughs> uh, relatable. Yeah. He made her seem like the out of touch rich person. Yeah. When he literally just 10 days earlier had been talking about, like, I could shoot a guy on Fifth Avenue and nobody would stop me. Um, that's what rich people get. I, I, the more I think about it, the more I am thinking about who I vote for in terms of who stands up on that stage with Trump. Yeah. And I think that Bernie can hold his own against Trump. I think that Bernie's big disadvantage is that the more he becomes a general election candidate, the more people are talking about socialism in terms yeah. of, like, you know, like the the communism idea of socialism. Wait, why did Clinton not do well in uh, in her election bid? Well, I mean, there's a lot of reasons. Well, what, what, we keep talking about the main reason. Well, I mean, she didn't. She she fought to sort of maintain the heart of the Democratic Party, uh, even well, though Clinton, it was building. It was it was definitely yeah on its own veering left. People don't like her. Yeah, and the problem with Bernie is. People don't like him for different reasons, but you can't go into South Texas. By the way, people who would benefit immensely from see, socialism but, in America, but they're going to vote against it because they don't like socialism. See, but here, so here's the problem. I don't think Biden can hold up against Trump at all. No, he's absolutely just not, not. He's just not. 
he's just not the man. He's just not capable of doing it. We're making it five uh, decades where he's much, run for president. Much like Bloomberg one. is not going to be able to take down Donald Trump in a debate. No. Like there's no there's no world where I imagine that happens. And you know, Bernie is going to get some good shots in. And I honestly, I think Elizabeth Warren would be the best person to yes. debate Trump because she would just uh, if she if she does anything like she did to Bloomberg in the uh, Vegas debate. The mwah, yes, uh, I, I feel like the uh, the Trump debate would be something to see. But I, it's what? I don't know. Like I I'm, I'm really I, I I'm going to take this vote until tomorrow. I'm gonna I'm really going to be sitting on it until I, I actually say, pull the lever. For those of you who uh, press the button in this case, I was going to say it's button, right? It's not yeah. a lever. Yeah, <laughs> touch the touch screen. Uh, for those of you who said if Trump gets elected, I'm going to move to Canada and or Europe. And then didn't, and you're still here now. Uh, one, uh, hypocrites, that's you. But also, this is what a, a uh, an election in Europe would look like. We, that's what we have in the Democratic primary. We have the extreme liberal on one side. We have the centrist on the other. And then that moderate, but not moderate in America, but moderate European-wise looking mm-hmm. uh, person. That So we have Bernie, who is the Green Party extreme. We've got... Uh, Biden, who is the like Tory party, essentially, uh, in Europe. And then Elizabeth Warren is the middle road. See, but the problem I feel like is that to to sort of divide out candidates by political ideology is robbing you of your ability to see them as like sort of the whole and complete and complex candidate that each individual person is. Because like, you know, Jill Stein if you're looking in terms of like ideology, oh, I meant European green. Not oh, I know, American but I'm saying like, yeah. if you're looking at in terms of like ideology, mm-hmm. like, you know, she's way to the left. Yes. And Bernie is way to the left. Yes. And Hillary was more towards the center. Well, Hillary is on the right. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> more towards the center in the sake that she might be going on the right side of the center. Yes. But she's yes. in the center more True. than the other candidates. Yes. And then Trump, who is like way to the, really pushing right as much as he could. Uh, kept moving right yeah. as it was going along. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> pushing what the right was. <laughs> um, I, Listen, there are good people on both sides. There are bad people <laughs> on both sides. Did he just say there were good Nazis marching? All right. Well, I guess we got to move this. Move end that of right. Spectrum. We thought the, the line was here, but the line <laughs> keeps moving. Keep moving it right. All right. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, that if you start thinking of like all your candidates as like if you if you lump in a uh, Jill Stein with the Bernie Sanders and think that they're the same person, then you're gonna have a bad time. Well, I mean, Jill Stein's not a Democrat. Oh wait, neither is Bernie. That's right. True. But I'm um, saying like if you think that you know like the part of the problem is that if you think about a a uh, a group of Democratic socialists who are going to run for Congress and Senate in the Bernie Sanders style mm-hmm. going forward. There's going to be some people like Jill Stein who sort of get in there, and people are just like, "Look at this Joe candidate who's running sure. in Alabama's third congressional district, trying to be Jill Stein." Like, it's a matter of you know, like each candidate sort of has to stand on their own merits, and I think Bernie is doing a democratic socialist thing that nobody else would really be able to pull off, and it's arguable whether he's pulling it off, but. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I... He's better at it than anyone else I've ever seen. I would say I don't think he's being very successful at it, uh, but he's better than anyone who has tried it before. Right. And, and I, the, realistically, he should be winning poor rural voters and poor urban voters, and well, he's not winning either of them. I do, I do like where he's going with his most recent version of the argument with democratic socialism, though, when somebody tries to bring it up to like slam him with it. 
he keeps going like, right now we have democratic socialism. Yeah. It's only for the rich. Like, yep. like what I want to do is make it for the middle, lower middle class as opposed to the rich. Because right now Amazon's not paying any sales tax. That's, you know, socialism for the rich. Yeah. Uh, and that's a that's a reasonable argument. I I don't know. I'm I'm really going to uh, weigh on my vote until tomorrow. Yeah, listen. But there's uh, lots of there's lots of uh, things to vote on tomorrow, so it's tough to. When are you? When are you gonna vote? Like uh, one o'clock Pacific time? Yeah, probably a lunchtime vote. I All imagine. right. So if you guys have a chance, and if you're hearing the sound of my voice now, I want you to bombard Corey with messages about <laughs> who he should vote for. Um, just to bug him all day. I mean, really, basically. Just get the Bernie bros on me. And just be like, oh, I'm considering not voting for Bernie Sanders. And then I just wake up tomorrow with like a bunch of like, I will fucking kill you and your family. So, and, and by the way, on that note, uh, <laughs> I'd made the mistake of getting into a political discussion with millennials at work. Uh, one of those things were, uh, I'm going to vote for Bernie. And if he doesn't get the nomination, I don't know that I'm going to go out and vote. Listen, idiots. Here is the argument that you're making to me. You're saying, I like this guy who is really far left. And if he doesn't win, I'm not going to go vote for the guy who is slightly less left than him. In a scenario where the alternative is a Nazi, essentially. Like, the guy who's so far right that he makes apologies for Nazis and he's a white supremacist. And you're saying, well, I'm not going to go vote for the, the middling leftist. Um, when he's running against the guy on the far right because you guys didn't vote for my far left guy. You're idiots. If you're going to go vote, listen, if you're going to abstain, abstain. I abstain from all of it. And I'm hoping that if everyone abstained, we would get better uh, candidates. I reminded them, 2004 was the lowest voting uh, number of people casting votes in like 60 years. And it's never been great. And what do we get out of that? We got a revolutionary candidate in 2008 because we sent the message to the party like we don't care give yeah. us somebody better to vote for and this middling bullshit about like we're gonna we're gonna stay on and we're gonna vote for uh, i'm not gonna vote. no if you're gonna go out and vote then i expect you democrats and leftists to hold ranks just like the goddamn republicans do how many people Every- in the last four years have held their nose <laughs> and supported trump the do it. there is a the two candidates on the Democratic side I'm least likely to vote for are probably Biden and Bloomberg, right? Yeah. There's like maybe a, if we're just calling it round numbers, there's like a 1% chance that I vote for Bloomberg. And there's like a 5% chance I vote for Bernie or for, mm-hmm. for Biden. And but then uh, somewhere else in that 96% is how I feel about Sanders and uh, uh, Warren. So, you know, it's going to be a tough one to, a tough road to hoe for those two. But say that Biden wins the nomination and mm-hmm. becomes the Democratic nominee, even if there's fishy nonsense at hand, I'm going to vote for Biden. Yes. I'm going to make it perfectly clear that I'm not happy with the Democratic Party. Yeah. And I will do whatever I can to torpedo their efforts after the general election has ended. Yes. But I will I will definitely 100% vote for Biden over Trump. If I have to vote for Bloomberg over Trump, I will once again do it. I will hold my nose even more than I did before. I will not be happy about it. I will not be happy about it, but I will fucking do it. Bloomberg today, uh, someone said, well, what about that third term that you were the mayor and all these things happened? And he said, oh, well, that third term is kind of a wash. I wasn't even paying attention. (laughs) And uh, that's the guy who you're giving 1% of your chance of vote, which I hope I just cut in half at least. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, you're a mayor of the biggest city in the country and you weren't paying attention. That's why things went kind of screwy. It, it's just a, a unbelievable, like, I, 
we we need to not be so fucking petty. I mean, like, I get why nobody wanted to vote for Hillary Clinton. I get it. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to do it either. I I did the I did the math of she's absolutely one hundred percent gonna win Maryland, so mm-hmm. I can throw my vote away a little bit here. Maybe Gary Johnson gets to five percent. I feel like I've done something. Mm-hmm. You know, she won Maryland, so that didn't hurt. Gary Johnson didn't make it to five percent, but my vote didn't really impact yep. how things ended up going. If I wanted to do the same sort of thing in this election where I vote for a third party because, you know, whoever is going to win California, you could. I can do that. Yep. I, I can feel secure in it. But if you were a, you know, millennial in Rob's office who happens to live in Ohio and votes in Ohio, yeah. then do not fucking play this game with me. Yeah. Do, not, do not do this, well, I don't know if Biden's really real enough for me, or I don't know if Bernie's enough of a liberal for me. Like, No, just do it. Please, don't. Well, and uh, all that the, the more the more people fucking sit across the line like this, the more Howard Schultz think it's a good idea to get involved and <laughs> launch a third party campaign. Uh, I, I will remind you though that all of this hemming and hawing and all this, uh, you know, let's argue about uh, leftists. It really doesn't matter because uh, fifty-five to sixty, maybe even higher percentage of the electorate lives in uh, conservative areas. They identify as conservative. Um, Trump lost the popular vote, but won the electoral vote. I think it's highly likely that he wins the popular vote this time and probably continues on to win the uh, electoral vote. And uh, the Senate's going to be redder than it's ever been before. Last point on that, just because I I don't think a lot of Democrats are thinking about it in this term as well. Uh, If you're making an argument over who can sort of match with Trump in a general election, I feel like your only vote at this point is for Bernie. Yeah. Because he's the only one who has an infrastructure and ability to raise money consistently. Mm-hmm. And be, if he wraps it up, say he has huge wins everywhere he needs to tomorrow or mm-hmm. today, if you're listening to it on the day of release, and why wouldn't you? Of course so. Um, so, you know, if, if Bernie wraps it up today, let's mm-hmm. just say, you know, he wins everywhere, he, he wraps it up, then he's putting himself in the best position to go up against Trump in the general because he has a war chest. But he has no none of the Democrats, even if you put them all combined, even if you're talking about Bloomberg sixty six billion dollars, they they do not have the war chest that the Republicans have right now for Trump to get reelected. Yep. And that's not just legal money, but that's also super PAC money, shadow money, mm-hmm. you know, like Twitter trolls who are gonna be talking about Republican talking points on all random people's it. comments and stuff like that. And not just Trump. The Senate election, which, again, I maintain, I think that it's going to get red or not more purple or blue. The House, which is likely to get you know, far more blue, but we've noticed, noticed that that doesn't really mean anything, unfortunately. so I feel like purple districts are going to become blue districts, yeah. and it's there's no longer going to be a lot of like decisions between, <laughs> is Colorado going to vote a Republican or a Democrat? It'll just become, Colorado is Democratic now. There's yes. no chance of it going back. But at the same time, new swing state. Where's but at the, the same time, state? there's no swing states. That's yeah. your new, that's your new problem. Yeah. Uh, but I, again, I think that the the issue is, and and not I don't want to dive into this. Although you know, it would make a good uh, like if we have to record in advance. Uh, at what point are we going to say that the Senate no longer represents the people when, what, thirty three states? No, what was it? Fifteen states have as no thirty. Thirty states have as many voters in them as two large cities in two states. Yeah. So, like, at what point are we going to say this was a great system when things were kind of like equally distributed? Now it is so far off that it just doesn't make sense 
to continue with this Senate as well, it is. And I mean, if if you're talking like, so I'll, I'll make one real quick point. On yeah. That wrap it up. But if you're talking like Federalist paper style, where local government is where it's at and stuff like yeah. that, and you need to have two senators because every state needs to have the same sort of Equal ability to uh, represent themselves in the same sort of like, I, I get your logic, but we're no longer in that world. Like it's not that the, that doesn't play in today's society. Yeah. Like these, there's got to be interstate commerce, like there wasn't before when the Senate was first created. So I feel like there. You know this this House of Commons, House of Lords thing we got going on here is not necessarily leading us to the right way. But sorry, but yeah, the House of Lords not done by population. Yeah, it's done by where are it's not done equally by population. It's done by like all right, so we have you know a bunch of people here, and so you're gonna have this huge area because they don't have states in yeah. England. So that you have this huge area, uh, and you over here you represent the same number of people here. So yeah. It's equal by population, not necessarily by these lines we've drawn on a right. map that mean something uh, that we now have 50 of and are split basically half and half. So the English arguably have a better system. Yeah. Also, by the way, proportional representation in the lower house, uh, multiple seats in a district uh, uh, and uh, you can elect two and they can be from different parties. Uh, this is uh oh, there's also like 19 parties. These are all things that the English are superior to us. Then I don't know if I want the 19 party thing. That oh, I mean, they actually have five. I feel there, like there's five. Parties. Oh, I know, but I'm saying like I feel like uh, America definitely needs more political parties yes. to like help even things out a little mm-hmm. bit. But uh, I I do not want to go to the more crazy versions of. Uh, certain Greek. European countries yeah. where there's 97 political parties and it's just like. I'm a Tory, but I actually believe that we're not doing enough for income inequality. So I'm a Toryette, or so you know, like it changes like cut one off. one little problem that yeah. you have with the party. You're just going to separate and create your own party. No, nonsense. Um, but uh, by the way, I have the I, my opinion goes the other way. I think we should have less parties. I think there should be one party, my party, um, and. Uh, for everyone who's in the system now, guillotines for everybody. And then I think, uh, I, I mean, I continue. Or how about this? We bring back this old chestnut. If somebody appears on television, like in an interview mm-hmm. format, you don't tell us what party they belong to. Hey, how about them? You just put Bernie Sanders, yeah. Senator of Vermont, on there, and then you listen to him, and then you decide whether or not you like him, and then later you can. And I mean, you can like go online and just be like, wait a minute, this guy's a Democrat. Like, and I, I would I like that because I don't want people to think it's politically motivated. It's all of you are going to the guillotine, so it's fine, <laughs> uh, equally, and you're the same. And then comes the uh, Pax uh, Roboticus, Roboticus. Uh, anyway, where uh, you give me you know the uh, benevolent dictatorship for 18 years, and I show you exactly what we are capable of doing when Hold we all this. come together and support me. Do you hear that? No, what's that? OhTheAnthem.com, Corey to OhTheAnthem.com, OhTheAnthem on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the listener line, 443-219-7595. What's that number again? 443-219-7595. You can find more of me at my website, CoreyBakerFilmmaker.com, Facebook.com forward slash CoreyBakerFilm, and at LegendCB5 on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Um, the Sonic review is coming. I was working on it, and then Premiere crashed, and I didn't have time to go back wah, and wah. do all the work I was doing before, so it'll be up soon, but... Uh, yeah. Uh, want to go see another movie? Yeah, I was gonna say uh, we're in the period now where uh, 
it's a lot of crappy movies, but I got a lot of time. So maybe we can just catch like a weird uncut gem screening at like some weird. I really do want to see like uncut on like gems. a Tuesday or something. I hate that we we this uh, uncut gems is what was the movie last? For, uh, Ford versus Ferrari was that we almost missed that. Yeah, we both wanted to see it. Uncut gems, same thing. I just I'm like, why have it we just not got seen lost it? in a, in us trying to catch up on all the best picture nominees. Uh, also, I think that we did have tickets to it and we missed. The yeah, show. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. There was that one too. Parking in Burbank is the worst uh, <laughs> no one should live in Burbank you should all just leave and leave me the theater I'll live right there at the mall but of course you can find more of me at Robert and Cheek on all your social networks uh, make sure you check it out robertandcheek.com where you can find links to everything that I do including the books that are available on Amazon Barrow's books uh, due to a crazy moving situation uh, I didn't have a Sunday video but uh, gonna be working to get Sonic out on Thursday so uh, make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash Rob Cheek where you can see all the Everyman movie reviews I'm actually uh, let me get your opinion real quick Think yeah. about uh, splitting that off onto its own channel. Um, I get the most feedback from it, and uh, I'm a little worried about me ranting about something uh, political <laughs> and losing a bunch of supporters <laughs> on my channel. Hmm. Uh, so that's something I'm considering. Uh, let me know. What do you yeah. guys think? At Robert and Cheek everywhere. Yeah. Let me know what you think. I'll, about I'll the, think on it too. We'll yeah. Because everything else is separate. All the social media is separate, except for the YouTube channel, because it's on my YouTube channel. Yeah. But, um, yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah, but uh, that's uh, things that are coming up. So, a right. lot well, of time for thinking, a lot of time for doing a lot of stuff. So, well, I think we've done good here today. We've done something. I don't know if it's good, but as always, you're listening to the O the Anthem podcast, part of the O the Anthem digital network. For Corey, this is Rob. Have a great week, everybody. Oh no, Rob! I think they're coming to get you. Wait, what? Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, wait. Who's coming to get me? What do you mean? <laughs> Wait, what? Is that lights? Is that some sort of lights in the It's about uh, to happen. What's up? Oh my God, they're coming to get you, Rob. Get out of here.